0: Welcome, everyone, to the Parent Advocate Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Chikumba. My pronouns are he, him, and his. And I'm joined by my awesome co host, Lizette Trujillo.
1: Hey, folks. This is Lizette, she, her, ayah. Each week, we bring you our take on the things happening in the world from the perspective of two parents of BIPOC transgender kids.
0: You know, Lizette, I can't believe this is only our fourth episode. I hope you're finding our content engaging and thought provoking.
1: And I'm so excited about our guest this week because we are going to be interviewing my good friend, Jesse Ferdin. So welcome once again to the show and let's get started. Yay!
0: So happy Hi. birthday, Lisette. Um, it seems like the week literally flew by. Now, I know you were just at the National Education Association event in Las Vegas last week. Tell me about how that was.
1: I mean, it was so good. It was amazing to be in dialogue with educators who were committed to supporting LGBTQI students. They were committed to really pushing back policy that would ban, like CRT, which we know isn't taught in elementary or high school level, um, and to push back on book bans. I mean, they are really at the at the foreground of a battle um, around schools and. they looked just as tired as we did. And so I was really happy to be with them and be in solidarity. And then yesterday I did a training with NCLR and Russ Toomey with the U of A on how to support trans youth um, for, you know, when you're talking about custody and or, you know, uh, litigation with families. Uh, So that was really great to see new research come out and, get to meet uh nesta who's new at nclr um and i'm still de- dealing with like those hate groups at our school board level which is <clears> not exciting <throat> and on a not advocacy t- like topic i can't get the adidas website to load because you know it's thursday and there's new drops and i'm looking at your outfit okay so, so why don't you tell me <laughs> exactly why don't you tell me about your week
0: Okay, so last week, we talked about the fact that I thought I had a reprieve from soccer. Remember that? I was so excited because yeah. these years, I've not been able to get time away from soccer. Don't you know they had just made a clerical error and put my son on the wrong team? And so <laughs> and they were like, I saw, I, I, I ran into a parent that I used to coach last season in the park, and he was just like, what happened? You know, why aren't you coaching? I was like, yo, they just, they didn't pick me this week. So that parent talked to the commissioner of the league and she realized she had made a mistake. And she was like, oh my God, you got a team. You <laughs> Can you take more players? I was just like, what happened? See, I shouldn't have said nothing. I should have just you flew in the radar and just been quiet and just come to the games. That'd have been straight, but no, I had to blab my mouth, but that's okay. Um, again, Fuji is happy because I am coaching once again. And you know I know how soccer is. And there's a lot of like volunteer parents who don't know soccer like this first game we played they were like what 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 does offsides mean I was like your children are not going to have a very successful season I'm just going to tell you <laughs> that right now. So, so that's an update on soccer I like
1: um, how you cursed um, them from the beginning just so you know you're already failing
0: just so you know <laughs> you shan't do well this season so we're clear um
1: I'm Death. in <laughs> right
0: now for BTAC and for for those who don't know BTAC is the black transgender advocacy conference. I have seen so many. I'm like fanboying out here because I've seen so many people that I've seen on social media, people that I've invited to conferences during the the pandemic that I only saw through a screen virtually. I'm seeing them walk around in person. I met Carter Brown. So there's a lot of good things happening. Um, And I'll be here for the next two days. I'll be doing a presentation on Black parents of transgender youth how we can kind of do better. It's it's funny because as I prepare for this conference, I did a poll. I did a couple of polls just to ask people kind of what their sentiments were. Were you raised by supportive parents? When you came out, was that a supportive experience? Do you feel like you have a supportive network? And the answers are not what I thought they were were going to be. And it's really good to have that information going into the session so I'm disabused of, oh, because I'm a superb parent and I'm a black person and I have a trans kid that everybody's experience is going to be like my son's, when in fact that is not the case. And I have actual data from pan, uh, from attendees to support that. So I'm really excited about our session tomorrow. A bunch of parents from P-TECH are going to be here. Like I, I saw Ngozi. Um, I know Keisha is going to be here. Sonia is going to be here. Um, Tori Cooper is... Um, is moderating the panel. So there's gonna be a lot of, of, I think really hard conversations, but I think meaningful ones at the same time.
1: Will you give Tori a hug from me?
0: Oh, you know, I'm gonna do that. And then finally, last little piece of like update, um, the day before yesterday, I was part of a panel of uh, youth and parents of transgender youth um, at the National Academies of Science, Engineering and Medicine and that was an amazing conversation because they were asking both the youth and parents of the youth what were their experiences raising transgender people in this country at this time and it was really insightful because um there was a transgender girl Libby Gonzalez you know Libby um and uh Wyatt from I want to say Wyatt was from Missouri the Dakotas uh Dakotas no 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 you're right the Dakotas South Dakota yeah um, and like both of them were super eloquent about what they were going through. Both of them were super insightful about what their hopes for the future were, as well as what adults could do to make their way easier. Wyatt's perspective really like just tugged the heartstrings because he was just like, I was the only one, like there were no Mm -hmm. other people. And so I had to become essentially an adult. I had to talk to adults about what I was going through and what I needed from them and what I expected from them. And he's like, and all I wanted to do is be a kid. And it sucks yeah. I can't be a kid because adults are trying to make it seem like you don't exist. Like literally, I thought I was gonna cry because it's like that's not, these are not conversations our children should be having. And no. if you an adults are out here puffing up your chest and feeling all big and mighty because you're hurting children. And you get your feelings hurt when people tell you, "Hey, you're hurting children. You should feel ashamed of yourself. You you have blood on your hands, and you, eh, you can't talk on the." Oh my goodness! Breathe, Stephen. Breathe, Stephen. So well. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. My
1: best friend, rest to me, was there and said you were amazing, and that the kids were amazing, and he was deeply moved by everything that the panel said.
0: So, so one of the things, one of the positive things that happened was I shared my party movement with the audience. So. I'm starting a movement. It's called the party movement. And the party movement is parents or people advocating for respect for transgender youth. It went over like gangbusters. And so I'm inviting people to the party, like jump on the party wagon because we finna take this thing over. We are not going to be on the back foot anymore. We are going to leave joy and love. And we're going to be in your face with our beads and our boas and our dance shoes on. All day. I
1: I want a t-shirt. Make it happen.
0: We're going to make them. We're going to make them. Um, Done. Let's not just kibitz about what we were doing. Let's talk about the things that were happening in the world this week.
1: Well, let's talk about transphobic people who are attacking Dylan Mulvaney again. This time it's about her partnership with Mac and Maybelline. Um, And like people are upset about it. And I was like, clearly you've never purchased from Mac before. If you have no idea that they support LGBTQIA people, have always for decades. Yeah. Yeah sorry not sorry they're not gonna lose money sorry
0: not sorry and the thing is like you know these collabos were back in the day like you're not even talking about anything that's happening in real time you're just like trolling through her content to find something to be mad about like get over yourself uh cis 50 year old white male are you buying mac are you buying maybelline what do you care? what do
1: you care life would be better for them though they would look prettier
0: They would look better, at least. You know what I'm saying? Some of those, mm-hmm. like, uh, wh- what are those moles on their skin? You could, you could hide those. You can, you know, you can cover those up. You don't have to look so pasty.
1: Watch some joy, <laughs> you know,
0: some foundation joy to your life. Do
1: some skincare uh, rituals at night, like decompress. Again. You see my, I See these nails? I know.
0: These cobalt blue, beautiful nails that match perfectly with my outfit. There is Bring nothing it wrong with makeup. Do you not know that all the people that are on TV use makeup so that their skin looks even and they're not shiny and oily? The fact that men, cisgender men specifically, have a problem with the application of makeup, whether it's on other men or whether it's on uh, trans women, get over yourselves. It doesn't concern you. Stop being so bothered by things that literally have nothing to do with you. It is infuriating.
1: Not only that, but like, you know, MAC has had a, a fund where they fundraise it, fundraised for uh, HIV research. And, um, you know, they've been doing this for decades, right? With their Viva Glam. You had Lady Gaga, Madonna, Rosalia, like all these people collabing with this. And then the don't, you know, that money going to fund research and to help people living with HIV. So this idea that, like, all of a sudden they're angry because of Dylan Mulvaney is just, you, they, They're always saying that they did their research and clearly they didn't.
0: There's so much faux offense in the world where people who could have given two shits about women's sports are suddenly all up in arms and passing these protect women and girls in sports laws. When, you know, when Larry Nassar was happening, didn't none of you say nothing and do nothing. You know, when women's sports are sorely underfunded when compared to men's sports, you're not doing nothing. You're not saying nothing. There's no alarm when some you know, female athlete who naturally has some cisgender athlete who naturally has a lot of testosterone is disqualified. You don't care about her. So don't suddenly act like you care about women in sports when it's a trans woman who's having some modicum of success. And suddenly the whole world is on its ear. It's it's upended because it's just all of these folks who are like 11th hour champions of whatever rights they're suddenly aware of they're just full of shit it's so annoying and bothersome it's like you know fucker carlson i mean tucker carlson leaving fox news everyone's like oh my god what could they do what happened what happened Well, he didn't leave
1: his ass got fired fucking liar he's a got fired
0: disgusting human being with Mm -hmm. the blackest soul who has done everything he can to self-aggrandized. He doesn't care about any of the issues that he parrots to the ignorant masses that follow Fox News. He doesn't care about the people who even hired him. He doesn't even like Trump, but he will get on his platform and say all these things to inflame the base. And he knows that the base is abjectly ignorant and stupid and will suck it up, will drink all of the Kool-Aid without discernment you know and luckily he's been removed from his bully pulpit and i'm sure he's going to fall forward and make googly gobs of money notwithstanding the fact that he's an utter piece of trash but that's what we're dealing with i can tell you i was like oh happy day the, the wicked witch of the west is dead i literally was like overjoyed it was like christmas in april I'm surprised
1: there wasn't like an uptick in bow tie sales, like for people who wanted to like support Tucker Carlson or something. I was like, "Where's the right doing a protest on something?"
0: I mean, they're they're shocked. I think like they they really are. Like they're definitely butthurt right now. But as the news cycles continue, they see, you know, with the the semantic lawsuit, the Dominion lawsuit all the information that's coming out in the news about how vile this man was, it becomes very Mm -hmm. difficult to continue to support him. Even if you were living in an echo chamber, like the information is getting out that this was a really, 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 really bad dude. And the people that align themselves with him post his departure, it says it speaks volumes to their character, to what they care about. And it's certainly other Americans. It's certainly not democracy. It's certainly not the rule of law because this dude has been able to just hoodwinked you for years. And now that he's been exposed, I don't see a lot of people being like, damn, I wish I hadn't followed him. I wish I hadn't, you know, been so easily duped by this dude. But, you know, before we get too carried away, let us get to our We got somebody waiting in the wings.
1: (laughs) Yes, we do. I'm so excited for our guest today. Jesse Frieden is a professional photographer and while widely considered America's leading fine art dog photographer for the past 15 years. He now focuses his attention on elevating the experiences of trans TGNC community through portraiture and interviews. His photography is part of over 150 private collections and has been exhibited in galleries from coast to coast. His current series entitled, Are You OK?, addresses the dangers of the current wave of anti-trans legislation sweeping the country in a passionate attempt to erase stigma, elevate the voices of those affected. Everyone, please welcome my dear friend Jesse. Welcome, Jesse. Yay.
2: Thanks so much. I'm really happy to, to be on this amazing podcast that you guys are launching.
0: All right. So you flattery will get you everywhere, Jesse. Flattery will get you everywhere. It's true. It's true. I'm not lying. <laughs> but before we go too far, I just have to start off with dog photographer. Like, how does one become America's best dog photographer? Because I, I was I was looking you up and I was reading and I was just like, what is he like taking photographs of like presidential dogs and celebrity dogs? Like, what is this? Like, who is this person? Tell me. How did <laughs> Talk to me.
2: Uh, yeah, you know, it's it certainly I'm happy to have some space from that career. It was really fun to do for 15 years, but you know, I started in San Francisco. I used to work with dogs and I apprenticed as um, I was an apprentice at a photography studio. Um, and I learned how to kind of become a professional portrait photographer, but I didn't want to photograph families or weddings or anything like that. And so, you know, they say photograph what, you know, and it was just the right, right place and time. It was so fun. I did go all over the country. Um, yeah. And it was really similar to, in a way I'm always doing the same thing. I'm always telling a story and connecting with people about something and, Trying to wrap that up into a portrait. So, with dogs, <laughs> no more dogs.
0: No. <laughs> you said that. You but started I saw a project. Of pictures. I saw some of the pictures that you took in the "Are You Okay" series. So we're going to get back to that. But yes, no more dogs full time.
2: Right. That's right. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you started a project called "Are You Okay." that's currently working to photograph trans youth and their families in states across the country that are facing anti-trans legislation. Can you tell us more about that project? How did you come up with this idea and what outcomes are you hoping to achieve? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, so, um, you know, I had been, before I started my dog photography career, I was, you know, as a young photographer, looking at my community. I identify as a man of trans experience. I don't love the word trans for myself. I've always been male, but, you know, I am part of the community and I want to be very clear about that when talking about this project, because I think it is radically important for any marginalized group to tell our own stories from, you know, within our experience. So, um, and I kind of just was was so private about my life for so long that I stopped doing some of that work initially around the trans community and had this totally other unrelated career in photography, but as the bathroom bill started years ago and then the beginning of this current wave of anti-trans legislation started i just was angry enough finally and i um full of rage and and felt like i needed to get involved and do something if only to to heal my own feelings um and i really just started this project to see if i could create a new kind of narrative around my community. Uh, I, I've been focusing on trans and non-binary youth under the age of 24. Uh, I photographed um, over 130 kids in more than half the states in the country. Uh, I've, I think I've put 16,600 miles on my truck um, in the past two and a half years. And, and the goal is to create a safe space between me and a trans and non-binary young person uh, you know, there are always, um, as you know, Lisette, I always have their supportive families in the frame kind of abstracted in order to sort of say the only way to have a living trans and non-binary kid is to be there 100%. Um, and each portrait is paired with an interview. It's really a social study. It's an ethnographic study about what's happening to our community, the direct harms that are being done by our American government trying to annihilate our community. Um and, and my hope is, you know, I always tell people, I'm not smart enough to be a lawyer. I I I don't I'm not gonna be the guy in front of every uh protest, but I can tell a compelling story. And and that's what I'm trying to do to help change some hearts and minds.
1: So I w- I keep telling Jesse that like I want a memoir of what the road trip was and like what Jesse's experience was in on this journey. Cause I feel like that's what I wanna read. Like it has to happen. I know you're like Lizette stop, but I want no. I, I want a memoir and then I want a movie. Cause I wanna read it and then watch it. Mm-hmm.
2: I love um, your, big, your big dreams. I, I, I will say Lizette, I remember that conversation. I was somewhere on the road and I was at a um, doing laundry and I, we were, mm-hmm. I don't, we were having a conversation. And we were the first person to be like, you should tell your story. And at first I was like, no, um, but I clearly this project is about me as a, I'm a, I'm a selfish artist. I want people to tell my story for me and it's become so much bigger than I ever thought. And yeah, I, I you know, being on the road is dangerous, just like yeah. I'm sure for both of you, when you're doing your speaking engagements and you're with your kids, we have to always have eyes in the back of our head. Um, you know, I have extreme, extreme privilege and many layers passing and as horrible as that word, as um, as a, I look like a cisgendered white man um, and I drive a truck because I love trucks and because it keeps me safe And I put an American flag bumper sticker on the back of my truck when I travel so that right. I can have this like complicated extra layer of safety. But it, you know, it's, um, it's dangerous for everyone to show up at these sessions and be involved. And at the same time, we're all coming together to to share our joy and our survival and and cause trouble. Like I'm not here to be polite. I'm not here to be told to be quiet. We are so far past that point. Um, So yeah, there's something really serene and and calm about these portraits, but behind it, I want there to be this wall of emotion and and, and rage and power um, and joy.
0: It's so funny that you say that because I was reading um, an article you wrote for Insider That touches upon a couple of things you just talked about first from a storytelling perspective you're absolutely a storyteller you weave yourself into what's happening intentionally into unintentionally consciously or unconsciously in the article you were talking about how you were coming down an elevator and there was a woman on the elevator with you and you noticed her looking at your bag which had a bunch of like trans positive stickers and in your mind, you like reach for your pocket knife and you were thinking, I am not sure whether this is gonna be some, like if shit's about to pop off or not, but I'm gonna be ready. And it really struck, like even now it's fucking me up because I'm thinking, you know, how must that be to walk through life with this constant state of situational awareness and, and like this fight or flight response that it can be triggered just like that. Like what must, that be like, and again, you're talking about going across the country to all of these red states passing trans legislation to photograph trans people in settings that I would consider seedy myself, you know, your, your, your rickety looking chair, the, the the wall, the parking lot, the, the, the chain link fences, you were not in like, you know, well-heeled neighborhoods. You were really in places where I think you were really trying to make a point with not only your photographs and your subject, but the scenes in which your photographs and subjects were being shot. Can you talk about like what feelings and emotions you were going through? Because this is very, 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 very compelling.
2: Yeah, it's it's a great question, um, and I love that you're picking up on that. I, you know, there is many things that I want this project to be, but one of the things is. I do not want. I never want to um, recreate an image or a story that's already been told. And we have unfortunately had a too many stories of the sort of upper class white uh, uh, gen, binary gendered trans kid being sad and being privileged and like no thank you we're done with that so I really as much as I again like acknowledge my extreme privilege want this to want this project to go to to the people go to the community and and tell a diverse story um and visually I am I'm not photographing in a studio I'm not photographing anywhere pretty when people ask okay well we can get you like you can go shoot in our office and I was like give me a dirty parking lot um, give me uh, you know I want everyone to be safe we're typically behind a building so no one can really see us or you know we're trying we're hiding out but I want that to come through in these subtle cues like I don't sweep up like you know I'm in a parking lot in Texas I'm not sweeping all the cigarette butts up I want to feel as if we're on the run but I also want that to be balanced by this intimacy and calmness and power and um, that's my experience as a Person of you know trans experience and and it's a lot of work to carry that load. But um, again, I'm not the kind of person who I don't think any marginalized group will do well by being quiet because that is an oppressive message. We should just be quiet and not cause a fuss, whatever marginalized group we are. And you know I'm not here for that. I'm here to mess some stuff up in a beautiful and powerful way. And and I hope that's what comes through.
1: It's so funny. My favorite text messages or messages are Jesse and I sending like our t-shirts that day. Cause we have a lot of like, Boy. yes, exactly. Uh, real men are feminists or protect trans kids. And like, we have all these t-shirts that are like political statements that visibly put you in harm's way because you're wearing them. Like, you know, I shared on Facebook that uh, Rachel and I were spat at for wearing our "Protect Trans Kids" t-shirt, and I wore that shirt the rest of the fucking day. I was like, "I'm wearing this all day." Um, I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry. So- Listen, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to interrupt you because <laughs> now I'm gonna have to accompany you everywhere with my sock full of batteries. Because if you're gonna spit on a person, then you should expect to receive a sock full of batteries to the dome piece in response. Just what kind of vile animals are you? Like that's one of the most disgusting things you can do. And yes, I'm gonna wear this shirt proudly. Now you know what I'm a. I need to talk to Adidas to have a whole line. If I'm be wearing this damn brand, they better do something for me and make trick me out in LGBTQ plus trans gear. Okay, that's sorry. That was my side. And
1: people are people are always asking like, what can I do? And wearing shirts that say like your values is a very simple thing, right? Like. Wearing t-shirts, that's I have so many, I wear them all the time. Um, it's so important for people to just like, that's one way or the stickers on the water bottle, right? They're very simple ways to, to give solidarity and safety to people. Um, and so, and I also think too, what's really beautiful about this photo project for me personally is like Daniel Sat with Jesse very early on as he became was willing to be more vocal and visible. So hearing Daniel's answers then were very much like well my mom goes to state capital, I don't go as often, and like now like years later he's it's like there's such a distinct difference in in um, Daniel's own visibility and his own activism and it's like I've been watching like this parallel journey between Jesse and Daniel like
2: yeah I, I agree I mean I, it's it's really again let's say it, it takes it takes I think an outsider and certainly a parent to understand I think what your kids are doing and like what I am doing I am you know a a trans person that has um, parents but my parents weren't like the parents I'm talking to. Um, so it's, it's been my own journey for sure. I mean, it's crazy to think that I, you know, I'm turning 42. Um, I never, ever thought I would live past age of 25. Um, we don't have even now, maybe kind of, but there certainly aren't role models of trans people like me having careers, having lives, you know, existing and, and, and causing trouble. And I think, um, I, I really never thought this would be so healing, but yeah, getting to see like I remember interviewing Daniel, and he was so cute. I mean, it was it was my second session. I had done two portraits in Albuquerque as a test. I was like, I'll go to Phoenix, and somehow I found you guys. Um, but Daniel was very, you know, he was a little bit more quiet, and and so was I. But now two and a half years later, or whatever it's been, I I know that I am in control of my narrative. I know where my boundaries are. I know that this is a really important tool that we can teach with storytelling and narrative just like you both do um, and I, I never thought that I would want this life that I have right now that I'm I'm being more public and, and
0: being part of the solution but I'm just really grateful. You make an amazing point that I don't think many of us think about is that sense of isolation and loneliness that many trans people feel and that sense of fate, fatalism like I'm not going to see my 30th birthday, the world is so stacked against me that it's inevitable that I will die young. And I'm here at the the Black Transgender Advocacy Conference and I'm seeing older trans people. I'm not seeing a bunch of kids, I'm seeing a bunch of 30 to 40, 50, 60 year old trans people and quiet is kept, you're here, you've been here, you've been here and you've been surviving and thriving But the narrative that has been framed by the powers that be will have us think that you don't exist. And it's not possible for you to live long, happy, successful, fulfilling lives where you can do the things that you want to do. And I'm so pleased to hear you say you're coming to your own. Yeah, it took 42 years to get here, but it's a beautiful thing because the manifestation of all that you do and what you're providing for other people, I just think it can't be overstated how important it is.
2: Yeah, I you know I've been following the, the Black Trans Advocacy Conference, um, and it, it's I'm just so excited about all the things that they're talking about, it's especially this concept of like exceptionalism. You know, we're told again as any marginalized group, but I will speak for myself and all the layers that I have. But we're told as trans people, like you can only be mediocre. You know, if you're playing sports or whatever, you're if you're an actor, if you're a lawyer, you can only be mediocre. And the second you start succeeding. You will be attacked, annihilated, killed, uh, um, disenfranchised, whatever it is. And you know what? We got to change that because that's some garbage. I, I refuse to be mediocre. It, 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 that No one should tell me what I can do with my life. And my power and the power of everyone on this project and both of you is that we just need to kind of crack open the door and make space for these kids. Like we were talking about that these kids do not need and don't want to be mediocre. They want to be exceptional people and have their whole lives ahead of them there's going to be challenges but um i think that's also part of what i see this project doing is when i'm not just talking about pronouns we're not talking about the laws people have that covered we're talking about the joy and the power and like the radical survival uh instincts that this community has and and that's what's exciting to me because you know that's my story and that i just want to tell my story to these kids
1: It's so interesting that we got to this topic because Daniel was telling me the other day um, that he had gone online a, a while back and he's like, you know, mom, the statistic for trans trans survival is 32. And he was like, that really hit me hard. But then I get to see people like Russ or Jesse or other adults like, Erin Russ, who is like in her sixties, right? And Daniel's like, I get to see these people who have families and and have lives and careers. And I get to see something else for myself. And so it's powerful, right? Like I feel, um, I'm often told, like, thank you for supporting your kid, but I'm like, thank you for being visible enough for us to see possibility models, as Debbie told me recently. I was like, is that the word? She's like, yes, Uh, possibility models that helped us say, like, no, we can do this. There are people who are thriving, and we don't have to believe in the stats. We can change the stats, right? Because those stats come from from people who were rejected by their family who were not supported and didn't have necessarily community, broader community to help them. And, you know, I love that you say you don't want to be mediocre because you are a successful world renowned photographer and your work has graced book covers and magazines. And, you know, you're in private collections of many, I'm sure celebrities, I would be like, Oh my God, who, I can't believe that. Um, and you didn't have to do this work, but you stepped into it. Like you stepped into this project wholeheartedly. What, what was it? I know you shared a little bit of why you did the project, but like, what was that, that driving force that said, you know what, I'm going to pivot. I want to tell this story.
2: It was, uh, it was my own annihilation fears. You know, I also come from a, a, from a Jewish family. There's an incredible amount of annihilation in our, in our family. So I was like, I'm always on the edge of someone coming to kill me. And that's part of what's fueled my creativity. And I can be grateful for that at most of the time and sometimes not, but I think I was just felt so, I was like, why am I, I had a great career. I was making good money (laughs) photographing dogs, but I was like, I'm concerned that, you know, the, um, this fascism is, is, is getting more powerful and, This something just, this switch flipped, especially um, after the insurrection. I was like, either I'm going to hide out forever, or I'm going to join the fight, accept my mortality, and hopefully push the needle a tiny bit forward for my community. And it was an easy choice. Um, I did think that I would lose um, my professionalism. I thought that my Wonderful network of clients and patrons and you know collectors from the dog art world. I thought that they would be angry at me and that they would reject me and they would, you know, because I was so private about who I was. But that wasn't the case. And that once I the first time I shared uh, one of the very first portraits from my test session in Albuquerque, one of my favorite clients, that's a big art collector, saw it and he was like, "This is powerful." I was like, "Okay, I'm going to do this,"
0: and I haven't stopped. That's amazing. Yeah. That really is amazing, and it's interesting because I feel people like you, people like uh, Montana Representative Zoe Zephyr, are unapologetic in their opposition to the powers that be, and their just righteous indignation for what's happening. and And you come from that ethos; you have that spirit. What What do you feel like when you see other people of trans experience? like stepping into the breach and and making their voices heard? How does that make you feel? I just want to start clapping and jumping up and down. (laughs) Uh,
2: It it is exciting. You know, it's sad that we have to be um, inspired by pain, but that's just, that's the history of the world. You know, things don't happen because we're comfortable. Um, I'm infuriated by keeping up with Erin Reed and, um, you know, I just follow everything she reads, uh, writes, although I have to take breaks at times because it's a lot. But you know, I get excited when I see other people of trans experience being radical and not backing down and not apologizing. I mentor other younger trans kids and or people and when I, when I have um, when I have my little photo sessions with it's a half an hour, you know, like Lizette, you were there. It's it's we jam it all in, but I tell them, take up space you know, do not let someone tell you that you're dirty, wrong, and bad because you are a human being and we deserve everything a cisgender person gets. So don't apologize for existing. Uh, Don't apologize for demanding appropriate health care. Don't apologize for being angry. You know, a lot of the kids, I photograph, you know, sort of like a third of them are younger kids, a third are in high school and a third are in college. But the younger kids sometimes have trouble saying that they're angry. They, they always say that they're um, annoyed. They're like, this is annoying, which I think is their way of saying, I, I'm upset. And I, I want them in a safe way to be like, you can say whatever you want to me in this interview because it's powerful and it's okay to, as a marginalized person, when someone's trying to annihilate you, it is an appropriate reaction as a human to be angry and to fight back. So just like you said, if someone try, that's my, my, um, mindset when I'm traveling and in these states that want me to die, I always have a pocket knife and I am kind to everyone, but if you mess with me, I will mess with you right back and we're going to have a tussle. So don't try it. And that's energy I give out and, and no one's messed with me yet. <laughs> Not
0: going to win. Love it. I love it. Jesse, thank you so much for coming on to our show. The information you shared has been delightful. And insightful i love the fact that you ended with advice for our trans youth to take up space like i just love that concept it, i'm always saying you know the, the things that cisgender kids should have or have trans kids should have full stop there's no reason that anyone should be trying to differentiate them unless there's an agenda so the fact that you're telling our, our children when you meet with them and you're interacting with them to be their full selves and to shirk for nobody just gives me goosebumps. And I love you for that. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you for everything you do. Keep keep up the, the good work, as they say. Um, and uh, all the best to you.
2: Yeah, it's such a pleasure to be um, talking to you guys. And I will be forever a listener. So thanks.
0: All right. Now it is time for one of our recurring segments, Allies and Assholes where we highlight individuals or groups that are supporting the LGBTQIA community on one hand and call out straight-up assholes who are trying to move us all backwards on the other. Lisa, who are we talking about today?
1: So today, our ally of the week is Lizzo. Lizzo had a concert in Tennessee that folks thought that she would have canceled, but Lizzo used her show as a way to support the drag community and brought so many drag performers on stage with her to perform at her concert. It was incredible. Um, And I get to see her in May. So I'm like super amped about Lizzo. I just love and adore her so much.
0: Lizzo is the best and she's always been the best. Like I saw her on like, You know, something with David Letterman, you know, his two chair thing where he talks to people ever since he got rid of his his show, not got rid of, left his show. And he just has these conversations with people and Lizzo was one of the conversations and Lizzo plays the flute. Lizzo was funny as hell. Lizzo was super talented. Lizzo is super creative. Lizzo has a great heart. And it all came through in Tennessee when she was unapologetic about the fact that she was not canceling that concert and she was bringing up all those drag performers on stage to have a party and to big give a big middle finger to the establishment trying to silence voices of people who are just trying to live once again.
1: She is who I want to be every day. Like, she is just like the epitome of what allyship looks like in all forms. She's just not afraid to fuck up. She's not afraid to say sorry and do better. I love her. We all need to be like Lizzo.
0: Absolutely. Now that we got our ally of the week, locked away. Let's talk about this asshole of the week. Now, for me, the asshole of the week has to go to the Montana House representatives for silencing Zoe Zephyr and arresting nine people for protesting her censure.
1: I I also think that we need to bring in to this asshole of the week um, Montana Governor Greg Gianforte. Did I say his name correctly?
0: Yeah, Greg Gianforte.
1: Okay. All right. Just making sure. Whose non-binary child, David, asked him to reconsider signing legislation that would ban transgender minors from receiving gender-affirming care and services in Montana. And he did it anyway. And then he went on, like his secretary went on to say that they do not make comments about private conversations he has with his family.
0: Oh, my goodness. Damn, was that... It's like Montana is full of assholes.
1: I mean, that's an asshole parent to be like. Um, I'm not going to comment. They're a non-binary person saying, "Dad, like, quit being an asshole. Like, don't ban access to care." And his response is, "We don't talk about private conversations." You know what the governor has his family.
0: This fool then issues a statement saying that. We need to think about the compassion, be compassionate towards children, and we can't allow children to experience these untested, you know, method out. There's nothing untested about it. There's nothing compassionate about what you're doing. If the entire pediatric medical institution says that gender-affirming care is what you should do, and you say, well, it's untested, how is that being compassionate? If the endocrine association is saying that hormone therapy is best practices to ensure healthy, happy, well-adjusted, developing children, and you say, mm, I don't think so. How is that being compassionate? Like everything you're saying is the anti of compassion.
1: It was so incredible to be uh, to be part of the training that was happening yesterday um, because the lawyers and researchers in the room were like, trans healthcare is not a debate. Like every major medical association is in line. With what best practices are the only people manufacturing this debate is the GOP and the lobbies that are benefiting from this type of legislation being pushed through. Exactly. And so, I a thousand percent I with you. Tell
0: you about the conversations taking place in my own family with people spewing pure stupidity about what gender affirming care is. It's like people saying things like children are being castrated. Can you imagine? Can you imagine someone saying and believing that children are being castrated? How can you have a conversation with somebody who is just sucking on the fire hose of QAnon foolishness, like clearly stupidity, as the basis for why they think that I shouldn't be giving my child gender affirming care? Like, what are you talking about?
1: And they don't understand insurance. How hard is it to get coverage for anything?
0: Thinking, would would the insurance companies Cover treatment that would potentially subject them to liability
1: absolutely not
0: absolutely not. So then, how is it possible that for decades these care, this treatment, these procedures, these therapies have been signed off on by insurance companies, by medical providers that have all types of checks and balances in place to ensure that nobody's getting sued. Do you think doctors there are no, insurance if they could
1: and there are no surgery there's no such thing as like Castrating surgeries for Mm -hmm. kids. What do you
0: do when you're talking to people who just don't know how to discern facts from fiction?
1: I don't know. I'm sorry that this is happening in your family. I mean,
0: we're supposed to be talking about the asshole of the week. You know,
1: well, (laughs) everyone's a part of this, but like, I mean, no offense to your family, but I mean, like, this is like where misinformation becomes really really harmful right because then everybody feels like they have a right to say something or to have an opinion of some about what what your child needs and i think that what i always remind my family about is um you know we have a care team we are being advised by a therapist and a pediatrician who know what they're doing
0: we have a care team of physicians who know what they're doing exactly it's like we are not just out here in the streets Picking up people driving by in the cars, be like, "Hey, um, I'm sorry. Could you please help me with my child real quick?" There's, you know what I mean. It's like we have professionals, professionals in the medical industry who have been doing what they've been doing for years, board certified, licensed, insured professionals. And so, if you want to supplant your own YouTube judgment for this individual who's been doing this for a living and has been doing this for a living professionally without issue for thousands of children for years on end. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to listen to the professionals. And so we got so far off the path. We were supposed to be talking about our answer. Well,
1: well, let me finish this part too. So, but as I've mentioned, my best friend, he is, has been in a lawsuit for five years um, to receive gender affirming care that's necessary. And one of the reasons why the state has said that they do not want to allow gender affirming care to be covered by state Uh, insurance is because trans people will get one surgery a year what surgeries are we getting and I was like what (laughs) like one surgery a year like this is like medically impossible and like it's a it's a lie what is this what is this one surgery a year like trans people are not getting multiple surgeries in every year like that's sort of it's not a, it's thing. Not a it's thing and it's a misunderstanding of what care looks like that. It's personal. Not everybody has money to pay for surgery and, or different types of care. Yep. And so it's just, it becomes laughable like you and I are laughing in this moment because it's just it's ridiculous. silly to think about the things that the far right is saying when they're, they have no idea what they're talking about. And yet people tune in and listen all the time.
0: Thank you, you brought us back to where we were in this conversation. The governor who is making a statement talking about compassion for children and not wanting them to go through unnecessary and pu- potentially future regrets for getting care that's untested, stop it. So Governor Gianforte, Jim Forte, Governor G, Montana House Republicans, you my friends, are this week's assholes of the week.
1: Boo. They're going to get booed.
0: <laughs> oh, we're going to give a big, long boo to those jokers. All right. Well, that's our show for today, folks.
1: I want to thank today's guest, Jesse Frieden, for spending time with us today. I'd like to thank my co-host, Stephen Chakumba. As always, you're amazing.
0: I want to thank my amazing co-host, Lisette, for everything that she does. She brings such flavor to our show. I could not do this without her.
1: I couldn't do this without you either, Stephen.
0: And we couldn't do this without all of you. So thanks for tuning in once again to the Parent Advocate Podcast.
1: Before we go, I want our listeners to know we've got some great shows lined up. Over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to be talking to medical doctors on the front lines, attorneys fighting for legislation in courts across the country, and folks working with LGBTQ advocacy organizations to protect trans rights.
0: So, folks, please make sure to join us again next time for our fifth, that's right, our fifth episode. And make sure to like, subscribe, follow, and do all the things to stay up to date with everything we're doing here at the Parent Advocate Podcast.
1: Bye, everybody. Bye.
0: If you are thinking about harming yourself, please get immediate support. Reach out to The Trevor Project and connect to a crisis counselor 24-7, 365 days a year from anywhere in the US. It's 100% confidential and 100% free. You can get help at thetrevorproject.org. If you'd like to support any of the organizations working actively to support LGBTQ people, please visit the ACLU at action.aclu.org or the human rights campaign at hrc.org.
1: You've been listening to the Parent Advocate Podcast. Tune in again for another episode.
0: To learn more about today's guest, Jesse Frieden's work, please visit areyouokayportraits.com.